0: This is Emily O'Connor, producer of Between Sundays. Just wanted to let you know this week's pod is a little different. Our usual crew is on vacation, so we're giving you guys the never-before-listened-to practice episode of Between Sundays. A few months ago, before we officially started the podcast, Tyler and Marin interviewed Corrine Gunther, who is the associate pastor of Grace's Center for Church Leadership. Grace was still in its origin series at the time, and Corrine gave a message on the Tower of Babel. So Tyler and Marin talked with Kareen about identity, reconciliation, and empathy across cultures. It was a great conversation and we want to share it with you. So enjoy this special episode of Between Sundays and we'll be back to our regular shows next week. Thanks for listening.
1: So I want to introduce to you uh, Kareen Gunter. Um, welcome Kareen.
0: Thanks. This and is exciting.
1: Yeah, we are just um, so glad that you're here um, to talk about identity and um Get some response from this past weekend uh, where you talked about the Tower of Babel and um, God's pursuit of his people and, and us and his calling for us. And so i um, really glad that you're here, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about who you are and uh, just so the listeners might get to know you a little bit better.
0: OK, that sounds great. So I have been uh, on staff at Grace for, gosh, I think 16 years um, I kind of talk about my world in, um, in phases. So my first career was in market research and advertising and strategic planning and doing all that kind of thing. And then um, just really had the sense that God was um, asking me to kind of stop helping companies sell things. Um, it was all about how do I help companies figure out who their customers are, figure out how to talk to them, Mm. figure out how to communicate to them so that they could sell things and they were selling really good things. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was good stuff, but there was this sense that God was really stirring some things in me that I think he had planted in me years and years ago that I had ignored or maybe hadn't even had the imagination that there could be a place for me in the church. As a leader and as a communicator and um, really crazy story, uh, just kind of through a series of events, doors opened here, did some seminary kind of training and leadership training, and then came on staff and have been serving in women's ministries for that season of time. Mm -hmm. And then- have um, had the opportunity to now do some speaking on the weekend, so.
1: Yeah, so how did you get into speaking? What, when did that become a passion of yours?
0: Well, that's the hysterical thing. So in college, um, when I, everybody has to take freshman um, speech, right? Yeah. So yeah, you know, a minute speech. Mm-hmm. And um, I was terrified. Like, seriously, I do not want to stand up in front of people. I'm actually an introvert. So the idea that I have to uh, talk to people, is terrifying, terrifying, especially if it's in like a social setting. So anyway, um, so it's kind of funny that that's what I get to do now. But for me, it really is clear that it's just a larger conversation. And so the way that I do it in my head, I just think, oh, there just happens to be a couple thousand people mm-hmm. that I'm talking to. Yeah. And <laughs> that seems easier yeah. than like, oh my, oh my gosh, I'm in this big auditorium and I'm the person in the middle and <gasps> cause yeah. that would be freaky to me. So, I totally um, relate to that. so believe it or not, I, I just think I'm having a conversation when I'm Really? Teaching. That's Love why her- it seems so effortless. Like I was at our
2: Fisher's campus and watching the the video and it just seems so natural. Like you are just, because I've is been not. in meetings with you too, where we are just a couple of ladies gathered around yep. the room. And yeah. the, the way that your sermon was presented had that level of just comfort and familiarity and in a good way where you're presenting, you know, This big sermon Mm -hmm. that you've put hours and hours of time and and prep, but Mm -hmm. your delivery, it's just, um, it's like you're having a conversation with us. I think it's really relatable.
0: Oh, that's nice. I like that. That's kind of what I want because I think for me too, I have to live it before I can speak it. Mm -hmm. And so um, it really comes from this place of um, unless you're going to ask yourself these questions, really God's going to ask you these questions and you're willing to answer them, then you have it's going to be strong, but you have no right to stand up and say it to anybody else. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it really is personal mm. and not that I do it perfectly and any stretch of the imagination. However, it is that you've got to take it in and you've mm-hmm. got to ask, what does this mean to me? And what, what is it asking of me? Mm-hmm.
1: How long did it take for you to get to that point where it was comfortable feeling like you had, you were just having that conversation? Because for me, I gave announcements one time at Grace and I butchered it so bad that they never asked me to host again. Like I am, I was not capable of even saying like, we've got a welcome reception coming up. You should come.
0: You know? Come on, Tyler. So you're, you're capable long, of that.
1: Well, even this, I feel like I'm, what I'm doing right now is I'm just pretending nobody's going to listen to this.
0: I like that. Plan. So
1: how how like long did that. it take for you to get to the point where you felt comfortable enough standing in front of a thousand people feeling like you were just having conversation with them.
0: Do you mean for this sermon no, or just in, in your general. life? Yeah. Cause you, um, you
1: speak in women of grace often, right?
0: Yeah. I speak. Um, yeah, I speak a lot in terms of that and some other kinds of venues, but yeah. in terms of weekends, that's been the last couple of years that I've had the opportunity to do that. Um, I think, gosh, when did it become comfortable? I don't know that I would say it's comfortable. I have conversations with myself about um, you're doing this because you love this this congregation, Mm -hmm. because you love these people, because Mm. you love God. And I think God honestly made it really clear to me right before my sabbatical last year that I finally— and I'm going to say it out loud. I am a pastor and I'm a leader. And Mm -hmm. that means, and that took me, I've been doing this for 16 years. And I can remember walking down the hall when I got named as a pastor, Dave Rod saying to me, you are a pastor. And I was like, yes, I am. No, I'm not. Um, And then just last year, I really have embraced those words because it was clear to me. Eugene Peterson says that a pastor is a person who's been called to a place and a time and to a people. Mm -hmm. And, um, So that's true. I think that's true about me. I know that's true about me. I should Mm -hmm, be able to say mm -hmm. that. Um, And because I am about what God wants to do with us for now, and that that means it's about a people and a place, which is always what God has been about, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at scripture, it's always been about a people and a place and a time to move God's plan forward as much as he can in that place and that time for that season. And then the next group is going to pick up the ball, if you will, to take it a sports analogy. And then they're going to move the ball forward. Mm-hmm. And like, we're never going to get to that end zone until we're with him again. We just keep advancing the ball. And so for me, again, I don't think about as being a like a, a speaker, like people that go out and just talk to people because- That's not what it's about for me. What it's about for me is a leader who's pastoring a group of people Mm -hmm. that I'm part of that community. Mm -hmm. And so it matters. Mm -hmm. Like it matters what God wants to do in us in this place.
1: Why are you hesitant to embrace that as part of who you are?
0: Uh, You know, I I was thinking about that actually this morning. Um, I went back and I looked at some, some blog stuff that I had written and hadn't actually posted. And I honestly think it comes down to the fact that um, I personally have never been pastored by a woman. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to make it a gender issue because it's not a gender issue, but it is a gender issue. If we haven't seen it, Mm -hmm. we don't think we can be it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I even grew up in a denomination where women were permitted to do that. And I heard about a couple of them, but I'd never actually seen it. And so, um, so I think it's that, Boy, if somebody says I'm not, then maybe I'm not. And yeah. There are lots of people who might say I'm not, but mm-hmm. God says I am. Mm-hmm. And so I think he's been really trying to clarify that even in my own heart that yeah. that my that my identity is not pastor, my calling is pastor. Mm-hmm. Like my identity is his daughter. Mm-hmm. And um I just happen to get a certain set of gifts mm-hmm. that leans toward leadership and pastoring and um and um yeah, so it's kind of weird, and I'm an eight. If you do Enneagram,
1: oh, you are. Oh, yeah, and I'm an eight. Eight,
0: yeah, and eights are kind of strong personalities. Yeah. So add all of those dynamics together, and then you know, kind of, I could be a misfit in the church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. but yet, grace has been this place that has really embraced my gifts. Really, the whole time I've been here, we've had some some movement in that, but mm-hmm. that, but it's in a place where I think that women have been heard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, That's kind of a long answer to a really short
1: question. As an eight, I feel like <laughs> if somebody said, or if, if I thought that somebody didn't think I was a pastor, I would prove to them that I am a pastor.
0: Well, that's why I work really hard <laughs> and I spend a lot of hours, probably a lot longer than a lot of, oh, no, I'm not, this is not about other people, but mm. I spend so much time because I have to tell myself that's enough. Mm. Like there will always be information you haven't gathered. Mm -hmm. There will always be more you could say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was even quickly listening to part of it um, and realized, oh, that was really bad grammar. Like really? And then I have to let that go. Like, oh, that should have been is not are. Mm. So there, I mean, like I'm hard on myself, but- You're probably
1: your worst critic.
0: Maybe. Yes, probably.
1: Well, I don't know the emails you get, but probably are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it I,
1: probably I,
2: is. yeah.
0: I would dare Our. say everyone yeah.
2: in yeah. this room is their yeah. own
0: worst critic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is a, not necessarily a bad thing because we do. This is a huge responsibility, mm-hmm. but I don't know that God is as worried about my grammar as He is about my my theology and my content and what I'm offering to the body. Mm-hmm. So I have to let go of some of that stuff. You
2: are in every way functioning as a pastor. I like that you mm-hmm. made that distinction. Um, you are a child of God. You have a certain set of gifts that he gave you. And with those gifts, you function in a pastoral manner. Um, and that, that goes beyond delivering sermons. Mm. That goes to shepherding his people. You've done that in women's ministry for years. You're still doing that. Um, I get to see that when I get to meet with you in different um, aspects of what you do. Your heart and your concern is for the people and for this people, mm-hmm. Grace Church, for this time.
0: Oh, thank you. That's that's sweet. Thanks.
2: See, aren't you glad? That?
1: Marin is super thoughtful. She's <gasps> wow. you- six. So
2: oh. I just want everyone to love each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Keep talking. No, no, that's good.
1: Well, okay. So let's get into some of the things you did say this past weekend. Let's okay. talk about the big idea of what you were saying.
0: I have a really hard time. We do everything by big idea. I have so many big ideas that I'm always narrowing and narrowing and narrowing. So um, I would be curious to know what you thought the big idea was because it was kind of broad.
1: So you talked about the Tower of Babel. Right. And I took away that God is always pursuing me. This is like not, totally not a big idea. Like you couldn't tweet this what I'm about to say, but God is always pursuing me even in my efforts to like pursue my own things. But when, when I do that, he thwarts my, my efforts, but it's in, it's out of grace that he's doing that. So like the people in the tower of Babel were doing what they thought they wanted to do complete rebellion of what God, they knew God wanted them to do. God thwarts it, spreads them out but that's out of grace because he's, he's continuing the story of reconciliation between him and his creation by thwarting their plans. He's not doing it because he's mad at them. He's doing it because, well, eventually Abraham's going to show up, you know, eventually David, Jesus, like the story's got to continue. And so that was my big takeaway that, like I said, it's not tweetable or anything, but really like God's pursuing me out of mercy when he's thwarting my plans.
0: Right. You know, I, I always use a phrase, um, and I think a lot of us do around here, that God is working in us and he's working through us. And I think um, this was just another indication, this story in the, in the Tower of Babel, is that God is at work in us. He wants to restore that relationship with us individually, and then he wants to use us. I think more collectively than what we're used to in the in the U.S., in the Western world, collectively to express his vast love to everybody else. And mm-hmm. so kind of the, if you will, the tweetable thing, if we mm-hmm. want to tweet, is um, that we are critical to God's plan. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like And for us to hear it, I think we have to hear, like you are critical to God's plan mm-hmm. and I am critical to God's plan. What I hope we're beginning to hear is that we as a body, as a collective body that God has called together, that we are critical to God's plan. Because if we can get to we, we are reconciling. That's a lot of we's, but yeah. we spend so much time, I think in this message and this story speaks to the uh, separation and division. And I think that's one of the ways that we are not living out our calling as, as yeah. God's ambassadors in our world, that we spend so much time um, dividing and pulling apart and um, critiquing each other and, and whatever our issues are, as opposed to saying, hey, what's the main thing here? And how do we express that as the body of Christ? Mm -hmm. today in our world in this place Mm -hmm. to me
2: that was the most tweetable thing your mic drop moment for me drop the mic walk off stage was when you said god desires a diverse world where language and culture do not divide but serve to reveal the vast love of
0: god yeah Well, and as you, I mean, Mm. nobody knows this, but we know this, like we've been meeting, Mm -hmm. we've got kind of a group of us that have said, let's get together and let's just, let's talk about um, um, reconciliation. Let's talk about race. Let's talk about the things that divide us. And, you know, Tyler, we were at Duke uh, last year and we kind of were exposed and, and entered into a larger conversation. And, and so, I think I, the more and more I think about reconciliation and I get outside of the walls of grace with being in Africa and being at Duke and being around other people, the more and more I think he's inviting us to be part of that, to be part of this place of reconciliation. So I think if, if we could walk, so the big idea I think was, yeah, we are critical to God's plan. I think the thing I want us most to grab hold of going forward is a picture of what God desires, mm-hmm. and revelation. I think, yeah, Revelation. Yeah. Like, yeah. man, if I could have had another forty five minutes, we would have totally gone there. This but is your time. Yeah, let's we do it. couldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. that would.
2: Well, have been... I read that passage. In <sighs> um, a little plug for the Grace Church app, um, there's just so many fun facts and uh, other scripture references, um, almost like a, a cross-referencing mm-hmm. concordance of, you know, hey, we might not have put the scripture on the screen, but mm-hmm. please go read the scripture. Um, I didn't have the app for a long time. Um, this, That's is my, uh, this is my on-air confession. It's
1: almost blasphemy in this <sighs> office.
2: On-air confession, I didn't see the point. I'm so sorry. Oh my goodness. My husband How dare you. was sitting next to me in service with his app pulled up and I kind of was... Like the, yeah, the, you looking, were looking peaky. over, Jealous. looking yeah. over at what he's yeah. got. So now I have the app, and I love it for especially those things for the things that I didn't realize how many extras uh, the pastors put in there week to week um, mm. that pertain yeah. to their sermon. Um, and I'm a note taker. I like to take my own notes, um, but it does help me to kind
0: of scroll along. And mm-hmm. yeah. well, that was kind of a Barry thing. Like Barry decided there were all these fun facts that he couldn't get yeah. into his sermons, so he introduced fun facts. <laughs> and it's so free. I love when the yeah. facts are so, so free. It's like, oh, <laughs> like, that's yeah. That's, I know some were like sad facts. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. Don't miss this. Yeah. yeah, fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. And then he died. Yeah. yeah. there you go <laughs> Or fun fact and all of the families in the old testament don't get along how about that one yeah is that true oh i don't know oh. let me think about it um
1: <laughs> i mean
0: that's for it, another podcast you know, okay. i think yeah let's just <laughs> for say <a> family series. <laughs> the majority there are family dynamics that are difficult i think yeah uh, maybe i don't know but yeah, we'll know bless this mess mean, can't right? even
1: think about a happy family in the old testament
0: yeah I mean there were there were moments of that, but but I isn't it beautiful though that we have scripture that actually talks about difficulties in family dynamics, yeah, so that we're not thinking we're the only ones mm-hmm. like it gives us permission to say, and God continue to work, it's yes. what you just said, despite yes. our inability mm-hmm. to get it right that all was the a time. Huge takeaway
2: for me you know right. I don't know that yeah. um as they were building this tower, I don't know that they they necessarily had held it in their minds that they were in direct opposition to his will they just thought it was a good idea let's build this thing that way we won't be scattered you know um so whether or not they even realized they were being rebellious um still he used them despite their brokenness um to f- further the ball down the Right, and it doesn't mm -hmm.
0: tell us. I mean, we get nine verses, right? So we don't have all the detail on it. We don't, so one of the places I was gonna go when I started out was um, based on their motivation. Like what was their motivation and belief about who God is, who they are and who others are and how did that drive their behavior? Well, that's a whole nother sermon, Mm -hmm. right? Or three sermons. So um, I think to honor the passage at its core, I had to kind of, not go that direction as much because again i couldn't build the place to build that but i believe that that's so true so like maybe maybe they started out with the right motivation like we don't know like mm. when when did it change and get moved toward self-centeredness toward being exclusive toward keeping others out to believing they had to hoard mm. It doesn't say they had to hoard, but I'm assuming they were building this city because they wanted to make sure there was a place to store what they were growing in this Mm -hmm. fertile land. Mm -hmm. But that kind of lends toward not trusting God for the future. Sure. I mean, so there were all these places that I kept like going to thinking, wow, like, where do I do that? Like, Mm -hmm. in what ways do I, you know, there's this, have you heard of the myth of scarcity? Mm-hmm. So the myth of scarcity is there's not enough for everyone. Mm. And if there's not enough for everyone, then I've got to grab hold and hold onto mine, which has to do with power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then if I hold the power and I can I can um, grab hold and store up because I can build the place to store it up, then then I'm going to have enough for myself. Mm. But then I don't even think about you, nor do I think about the fact that God already said there's enough for everybody. Yeah, And so did they stop... Going because of that myth of scarcity? Did they stop going because they stopped trusting God? Did they stop going because maybe there was a year where the, the grain wasn't so so um, abundant? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, like I don't know why they stopped, but I think I read too somewhere where it may have taken like over 30 years for them to build this. You know, like oh we read at nine verses oh, like, sure. okay, so that was quick, but no, yeah. like over the court, like a generation, how much gets ingrained in us? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I looked up the word ziggurat um, that you shared um, because it reminded me of minaret and I wanted to see if there was a connection. Um, It turns out there is um, minarets, um, as we know in um, Arabic archeology, span it's a descendant of the ziggurat, Um, a tower, a gateway to the heavens um, for the gods to come down, um, the gateway between heaven and earth. And the ziggurat, I mean, just Google the thing huge. It's almost like a pyramid.
0: There's like a video of it. Did you see like the, um, there was a group of people touring one that exists in the middle yes. East right now. Yeah. Like it was this It the was spiral. Yeah. It was yeah. so cool. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. Let's just play that. And I had to be like, yeah, we probably can't get away with that. I got a 30 minute video. We're going to watch today. Yeah. <laughs> just sit down. Perfect. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I mean, that would make
2: sense with yeah. the timeline. A lot yeah. of times that's the kind of thing that blows me away is we do read this from chapter to chapter and it takes about, mm-hmm. you know, a minute and a half. Um, and in that we lose some of the context of time, just the right. passing of right. time. Wow.
1: How ticked would you be if you spent 30 years doing something? Oh my,
2: my. Mm-mm, no, 30 And seconds. at the end of it, 30 God said,
1: that's the exact opposite of the thing I wanted you to do. Yeah. Now you're scattered.
2: Do you remember having like, your tower of blocks kicked over by like an obnoxious sibling or a rowdy classmate. Like if my sibling waited 30
1: years for me to build a tower (laughs) of blocks or whatever, and then kicked it over, I can't like, I'm 34 years old. (laughs) That's my entire life. Yeah. How ticked would you be?
0: Well, and why do we assume that there weren't any warnings along the way? Like seriously, (laughs) like do you really think he just kind of like stood back and he kept thinking, Okay, I'm gonna let you get this almost to the top, and yeah. then I'm gonna take it down. No, I'm thinking God consistently—they're just too blind—redirects us in ways mm-hmm. to go. Okay, like you can keep going, but this is—I mean, you can keep, you can keep. And then I wonder too how much of that group speak stuff happens. Hmm. Like if I have if I have this idea, and somebody keeps agreeing with me, like we're speaking the same language, we keep encouraging each other to do the wrong thing. So like, that's kind of what happened throughout the whole story, right? And, mm-hmm. and Genesis, like no one was standing up saying, hey, don't do that. I mean, Noah right. was, I mean, there were some instances of that, but mm-hmm. like, I, I, I think I go these funny places in my mind. Like, what about if Adam or Eve, either one would have stood up and said, no, mm-hmm. we're not going to do this. Like that could have happened. Like with the power of one person mm-hmm. saying, no, or yes, let's do that. Like it could shift. Hmm. So was anybody doing that of the people that were building this tower?
2: And if they weren't, why not?
0: And why not? Because Probably what fear. were they believing? Yeah, fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much was fear, insecurity? Um, yeah, like what What was that about?
2: Yeah, when I Comfort? read, you know, they, they, they shared one language. All, all these different things that I, I try to question, okay, well, where... Where am I at in this story? Or what is the Lord saying to me? Um, monoculture. You know, they, they were all of the mm-hmm. same type. They spoke the same language. And God did not like that. He wanted them to scatter. Where am I afraid to scatter? Where mm-hmm. am I settling in a place where I'm comfortable and everybody around me speaks my language and is just like me? Okay, Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening.
1: What do you, you know? think that is for you?
2: Where do I think that is? <laughs> it's here at Grace Church. Oh, wow. Uh, I just bought a house
1: <laughs> Okay. a
2: year ago. Um, and I had lived in that house for only a few months uh, when the call to come to Grace came my way. And that was a very difficult thing for me to let go of my piece of security. So you had to move. I had to scatter mm-hmm. um, and what you said earlier about being here for this time, for this people that just resonates and resonates in my heart. Um, my husband and I, we've been married for 15 years in that 15 years. Um, we always knew that we were called to ministry in whatever capacity that may mean. We always knew we were called to ministry. So we lived on the North side of Chicago for a long time. And 10 years of our marriage, we lived on the North side and we decided we won't, move until we feel the Lord directing us to a specific place. Ten years into our marriage when that happened, okay, Lord, it was really scary, but we moved to that specific place. We lived in that specific place for a couple more years, five years or so. Um, and we we reached this point in our life where we just, we wanted security or we didn't want to live in the city anymore. My kid was getting close to high school, you know, so we just started making some decisions that were practical. Um, but this was the first and only time that we made a move without having another church in mind or or anything like that. We did the church shopping things. We didn't know the area very well. It wasn't that we were called from Chicago to Munster, Indiana. There was no specific call. We just, did it cuz we wanted to. Mm. And a couple months later, I'm living in Indianapolis. So I look back on that and I think like, man, maybe I should have just waited for your call cuz it was coming. Yeah. It was coming, you know? Um, I don't know. So this Did
1: you sell your house?
2: No, we did not. You still have it? Yeah, cuz oh we have we've owned it for just over a year. So if we sold it now, we'd sell it at a loss. So we've got people renting it
0: and ah, what a mess. And isn't that like, a? It's like counter Intuitive. It's countercultural. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's one of the struggles. Like, rationally, many of the things we do as Christ followers, if not all, I'd have to think about that again. But most, if not all, is going to be different than what the world, what society says we should do.
2: Yeah, yeah, and, and what feels natural, go normal. Back and forth because it's not wrong. To buy a house. No, it's not. And raise your kids in that house. (laughs) But for our specific calling, my husband and I-
0: But to leave it after you built it? Yeah. That's crazy. Who does that? Who
2: does that? Well, that's what I said. (laughs) When my husband's saying, you know, maybe you should take this job. And I said, that's crazy. Yeah. We just bought a house, Hmm. you know. Um, But again, God- We are glad you're here. (laughs) Glad I'm, I'm glad you came. I'm glad I'm here because now I'm doing a podcast. Yeah, seriously. Yes, seriously. Now you can't yes. leave. Yeah. You've
1: got one practice episode under your belt. <laughs> can't go anywhere now. Um yeah. another thing that stood out to me in your sermon was um the idea of God saving them from themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and it made me think, how often has that happened to me? The most like dramatic example in my life was this dark period. Right at right, at the tail end of college, a couple of years after college, where I really just wanted to be left alone to like drink myself probably to death, like I'd not a good situation and uh someone's mom, my roommate's mom, pulled me aside and said, "God has something really special for you, so you're going to be a leader, you just need to realize it and looking back, like, you know, when you're living in that, you're like, take it easy lady, you know? Mm. But looking back on that, you're like, that was God. I think that was God saving me from myself. Like putting people in my path or putting a story in front of me that I get to live out that's different um, than the one I'm choosing. He's saving. He's thwarting my plans and he's saving me from myself. So that was another thing I took away. Where in your guys' lives have you seen God save you from yourself?
0: Wow, that's a great question, like all the time. Yeah, I would Um, say over and over again. Yeah, I think that there's, um, I have a friend who says we never, that we always um, sin in the same way, or we always, like we'll go back and our mistakes will be the way that that we always have. We kind of run back to that that thing that attracts us. And um, I think for me, like, and it goes back to what I said, like it's taken me a really long time to embrace like I said yes to God's calling, I came here, and I did that, but i I have this internal conversation with myself that um it doesn't really matter and 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 the voice says, just go back to the corporate world like you were really good there, like just go back and and start you know start a company again and 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 run that and like that's that's good and there's money there and there's there's um you can have a future or you know it's just this voice that keeps telling me like it's almost like uh, uh, going back to Egypt. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you've been doing. Like I'm thinking, okay, I've done this longer than I used to do that. Why do I keep thinking I'll just go back someplace else? And I and I think at some level that's saving me from that idea that I do control my own destiny and I am able to um, make things happen and I am able to. So I'm constantly. Um, having to lay down myself, I think we sang that song, um, I Give Myself Away. I can't remember. Is that exactly what it's called? Yeah. Or,
2: yeah. So did you do I Give Myself Away? We did. Like holding nothing? Did you do the combo? I don't know. <laughs> That's, so, this is my music side. Yes. You. I don't know. We did. Give I myself Give Myself Away. away yeah. And
0: we didn't even get to do the whole thing, which was kind of a bummer. But, but it's that, like, am I willing to give my life away? Mm. Like, am I willing to just keep giving it away no matter mm. what happens? Which you know and then my mind goes to well what did Christ do mm-hmm. and what did so many of the um the first followers do like i think one of the things we miss is that and it's pretty clear in scripture there's going to be suffering and then i don't i mean i'm a, i'm a white american woman Mm-mm. living in a uh, affluent um county, one Mm. of the supposed best to live in. And so (laughs) like, I can't, I, yes, I have suffered like personally, and we have had heartache and we've had difficulties in our lives, but then I get outside my world or bubble, if you will. And I look beyond there and I think about the suffering of other people. And I think about the suffering of my friends in Rwanda. And I think about the suffering of people in downtown Indianapolis. And, and I think, Where am I blind? Mm -hmm. Like, what walls have I, what walls am I living in? I'm not even gonna say what walls have I built, but what walls am I already living in that I'm blind to see the world at a a much larger thing? And that goes back to your quote, Like, I think God's desire is for us to have this diverse world where we are actually living and doing life together with people Mm -hmm. who are like us and who are different than us. And when I say different, it's an external difference mm-hmm. because I think when we get past that external difference, there is this, um, we are so much more similar than we realize I was in Rwanda back, gosh, about a year ago. And this, this moment and I, and I thought about it, but I didn't use it this weekend. I don't know why, but I didn't use it this weekend. Um, cause I didn't really want to get to application. I really wanted to leave it with this is God's desire. And so where is he pressing in on you? And, but, we had this experience where we were supposed to, we had finished up some teaching on some trauma and some heartache and um, it was heavy. And um, there were women in that room of all kinds of different ages. And there was a single woman who I adore. Her name's Esther. We don't speak the same language. We we can't. We barely can communicate. We both know how to say hello and how are you in each other's language, but that's about it. And at the end of that session, the the man I work with there said, I want you to pair up with someone and I want you to feel what they feel, Mm. right? Okay, I'm like- Yeah, how do you do that? Yeah, like in my little rational mind, I'm like, yeah, that's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Like, how weird is that? Um, But of course, I'm gonna honor my guest because he knows the culture, he knows, and I trust him. And so this young woman and I start moving toward each other and she's a single mom. Um, I don't know exactly the whole story around that, but especially in that culture, that is not a thing to be, uh, that's really something of shame. Mm. And um, and she had shared a little bit of that and she came to me and we kind of came to each other and embraced and then started praying for each other. She was praying for me and Kenya Rowan and I'm praying for her in English. And I literally, honestly felt the shame that she had been carrying or however long. I mean, it was was overwhelming. Mm. And just to keep... Now, I was still speaking English. She was still speaking Kenya, Rwanda. But something happened in that moment that we had one language Mm. because of the Spirit's presence. And when we finished, literally my whole shirt was soaking wet from her tears.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: But it was this just beautiful place of deep, deep connection beyond words. And so when I think about one language, I I don't know that it has anything to do with a maybe an um, uh, audio language. Mm. It has to do with this place of, of really, well, actually, I wonder if it has to do with being naked and unashamed mm. if we go all the way back to Genesis 1-2. Like that, in that moment, we were, completely present with each other. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it was just just this beautiful expression of God's vast love for us.
2: You touched very briefly on, um, Pentecost, um, coming back together and the miracle of being able to, where we had once been scattered and speaking many languages for this moment in the Bible, coming back to being able to hear each other in our own language. Um, what you're describing with this woman and feeling her shame sounds like a moment of Pentecost for me Mm -hmm. where the Holy Spirit is the conduit making you able to communicate uh, things that go beyond mere language, things that are much deeper
0: than that. Um, Would
2: you expound on that a little bit? Um,
0: Yeah. So I, I, you know, there, because we don't share language, all of the things that I'm used to relying on, I cannot rely on. So the first time I taught there, um, it was like 30 minutes, which really means about 15 minutes because there's 50, you know, it takes about the same amount of time to translate. So it's about a 15 minute thing. And because I'm talking, they're looking at me, they have no idea what I'm saying. And then the translator talks, there's this delayed reaction, right? And, and I realize I can't, I can't, connect to them Mm -hmm. because they're, they're waiting. There's this weird delay Mm -hmm. thing I finish. And, um, actually Mark Williams, the guy who plays the, um, the bass bass for Uh us, like love Mark Williams. He's there. He's on that trip with me. And, um, and I went and I sat down and I wanted to cry. Like I wanted to burst into tears because it felt so disconnected. Mm -hmm. And then I just kind of stepped back and thought, okay let's just regroup, let's rethink. And luckily I, I got the opportunity to teach again at this general conference. And and I just kind of let let go and said, okay, spirit, like I know it's in here. I'm gonna trust you with this. The second time was completely different because I think I let go of what I could control mm. and allowed the Holy Spirit to enter into that space and meet us between that space. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and I think that's what we see there. And I think what we can see here, when we start um, getting leaning in, like getting closer, because I have to pay a lot of attention to the other person. So even when we're not sharing the same language, if someone is speaking to me that speaks a completely different language, whether it's really a different language or just not a language that I get, like a different background. If I really listen and I look at you and I look at your eyes, I look at the way you hold yourself, I look at your, in, your inflection and your tone and I really, really listen and I ask questions, I can hear you. I may not understand, but I can hear you. Hmm. And then the blinders and the things that I didn't see, I may start seeing again or I, may, I might get new eyes. Like when I pray, Like, God, give us your your eyes and your ears and your heart. Like, I'm not just joking. Mm, Like, I'm really, like, that's my prayer. The scripture comes to mind. We see through a glass dimly. Right.
2: um, But we do see. Right.
0: It's just dimly. It it might be harder to see, but we do see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody told me about uh, even scripture, and I think it's true about this topic as well, like a prism, if you keep turning it, like the, when the light shines in, every time you just adjust it a little bit, you'll see a little bit more and you'll see a little bit more. Mm. So I imagine that's what our spiritual journey is. Like we'll never completely see here, but if we just keep holding it and we just keep kind of turning it and looking and looking and looking and asking God to give us his eyes and his ears and his heart, like he'll do that. Yeah, yeah. And and it will be beautiful and it will be really heart wrenching because when I can put myself beside someone close enough to feel what they feel like it wasn't just that young woman crying on my shoulder I'm crying and weeping with her because I now I've felt something not in any not that I would ever feel what she's felt completely but at least I know her just a little bit more
2: yeah it seems like it is the Holy Spirit allowing you Um, Yeah, it has to be, it has to be. Yeah, so that you can have fellowship with somebody who does not speak your language. Right.
1: Do you think that's possible? Oh, sorry. Do you think that's possible in America?
2: Can we just talk about that (laughs) awkwardness real quick? What? Um, Of what she's talking about. So I lived in Chicago. My landlord um, was a wonderful Polish lady, um, spoke little to no English at all. But she was super nice. Like I couldn't have asked for a better landlord. But when we first moved there, we lived on the upper floor and she lived right below us. My husband heard me engaging, I guess you, if you can call it that, uh, in a broken conversation with her since there was a language barrier oh, no. and I come up the back stairs and my husband says, "Marin." She's Polish, not deaf.
1: Oh, are you just like <laughs> screaming yes. at her?
0: Oh my goodness. I'm like, I'm louder. That's hysterical.
2: What is it. Red do?
0: And Red. isn't that what happens? We just start talking louder because you can't hear yeah. me. And right. it's like, right. okay, that just is the exact opposite that you need to do. Like what happens if you just bring it down a little bit and you start receiving yeah. a little bit more? But yeah, we totally did that. I with was a, very, very mindful from that moment hysterical. on to just-
2: not yell (laughs) and to listen. And like you said, to look at her gestures, um, to point to things as we talked about, you know, just things around the apartment building that she needed our help fixing or, you know, all those things, just gestures, um, things that are universal.
0: Yeah. And what happens when we just are willing to even ask a question, like step towards someone who's different than we are. Like I was in, um, Selma, Alabama last year. i crazy story, but I got past this, um, there was a hurricane coming, couldn't find a hotel. So I had to get off my, the direction I was headed, ended up saying I wasn't far from Selma, which I've always wanted to go to and, um, went down to kind of the memorial for what had happened with Bloody Sunday, I think is what it's called. Um, and had this encounter with this, um, this black man pastor ending up from Huntsville. And then, and it began by a simple question. We're both standing there, no reason to talk to each other. And he initiates toward me, hey, do you think we're any better off today than we were then? Mm. Which entered into this whole conversation on what he was experiencing, what I was experiencing. He was able to share some of his story. He was a veteran, but he was dressed in just regular clothes because he was down there to do a, a funeral for someone. And and he just kind of shared his own story, like what it was like for him and how he's treated mm-hmm. just because of the color of his skin and because of the way that he was dressed. He said, now, if I have my suit on and I've got this, then I'm treated in one way. Mm-hmm. Or if, if the, once they find out I'm a, I'm a veteran, changes everything. But as a black man, I enter into the situation and people make all of these assumptions about me.
2: Now, had you been having conversation with him that led to that point where he felt like he could ask you such a powerful
0: question? No, we were literally standing, looking at the memorial, just having a conversation. Well, I was with a friend of mine and he was with, I think, his sister. And we're literally just standing there mm. and... Um, we, he just started with this very simple question and the response back was, honestly, no, I, I, I'm i not sure we are any better than we are then. Okay. And then we just started having this this really powerful conversation about the reality of what he was experiencing, what was happening, why he was there. And I think you know, we started, you know, I, I started with, hey, I'm on sabbatical, I'm headed down to Florida for a break and, and that kind of just opened this place up. But again, I think it was an Acts 2 moment. Yeah. Because we, the Holy Spirit was present in both of us that we were able to enter into this. And then then at the end of our, we had been standing there probably for a good half hour just talking. This woman from Selma comes by, she pulls around the corner, she gets out of her car and she's like, hey, are y'all here for the the prayer gathering on Saturday mornings? And we're like, well, no. And then she just kind of said, well, you know what? where two or three are gathered, I think we should just play. Now you are. So now we are. So there's, you know, the two of them, the two of us, and this, what we called Miss Selma, just because I don't know what her name was. But she said, I've driven by here three or four times and God, and this is gonna sound very churchy, but I just kept sensing that God was saying, you need to go back and stop. Mm -hmm. You need to go back and stop. She was saying this? Yes. And she comes back, she stops, she enters our circle. We grab hands Mm -hmm. And we start praying for our nation and for Selma.
2: Yeah. So you had your faith in common. <laughs> yeah. I'm always looking for the things that unite us. I'm a six. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking for the things uh, that unite us. Mm-hmm. You had your faith in common. You had this memorial in common
0: that you were looking at the same thing. We were interested in what, what this was, what we could learn from this. Right. Yeah.
2: You had your geographical location in common. You were all standing in the same place at the same time. You were looking at the same thing and you all had your faith in common. Outside of that probably didn't have a whole lot in common. Um, A lot of what I hear um, of people who are afraid to engage cross culturally, they don't know where to begin. They don't know, how to start. And because they don't know where to begin, or they feel they don't know where to start, they don't engage at all. Right. Um, so I, I'm trying to take some of these, these things that make these cross-cultural encounters successful, um, having things in common and figuring out how that can translate here to Hamilton County. Mm. Um, do your kids go to the same school? Do they have the same teacher? Um, do you take a workout class with the same person? You know, um, where, are the, where are the things that we can find, what we do have in common that can give us a foundation from which to be able to engage in conversation?
0: And I think that was the, that we didn't necessarily force that. Like we ended, like I believe that God puts us in the path of people and, and puts, and we ha- he makes intersections, if you will, for, mm-hmm. for individuals. So I don't know that we necessarily have to be I think yes, we have to be proactive, but I think we have to be more receptive. So I think the opportunities are already there. The question is, will we step into those, and will we, will we, will we engage in a way to um, see where that might go? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so even in that, like the whole mantra for that whole season was just receive today, like show up and be fully present wherever you are today, and see what God is going to do. And so my my friend who went with me, who was with me. She as soon as we finished this encounter, because we left together and she's like, hey, what, what are you thinking for your sabbatical? And I said, well, I really think it's just receiving what God has, which is so not an eight, right? An eight decides what they're going to yeah. do. They lay it out. But no, it was clear, like just receive what God has for you. And um, as soon as we finished this, this interesting encounter and Selma had our little prayer meeting, um, she got back in the car and she said, well, I think he's speaking and i think that was true that god was already speaking and you're right we both had we had been there we were interested in what, what at least what we could learn from that and um, we were open to what god did and and we still talk about that even today the seeds that this man planted in our lives related to reconciliation and to race that whether you know whether we call it quinstons or we call it god's intersection of our lives like it has literally changed both of us. My friend is, uh, works in the public school system at IPS and it has transformed. I mean, she's a, an incredible giver, but now she even gives more mm. to these children that are coming out of horrendously traumatic experiences in the school that setting that she's in and she's loving them and she's, she's with them and she's it just, you know, the things that he did because he said, you know, we've got to stay at the table mm-hmm. Even if we get upset, it's okay. Like walk away, but come back. If we can just keep coming back to the table or if we can just get at the table,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like what, yeah. what would that be like if we could just get at the table and listen to each other and begin to hear each other. And I think that's where language going back to the Tower of Babel mm-hmm. has been, um, was really, um, it, it's not all about diversity, but I think it's all about God's heart and intentions, but for us and that he wants to use. Yeah. I keep coming back to not settling, Yeah,
2: you know, uh, had Tyler, had you settled right out of college into this, you know, drunken, stupor life that you thought you wanted to live at the time. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I mean, where would you be? Had you settled, had you settled, um, in your job of security and your job of, um, sales? Was it? Um, yeah.
0: Research. Right. Right. Had you
2: settled there? Where would you be? Maybe you wouldn't have had that that moment in Selma um, and all that you do in Rwanda. Um, had I settled, I certainly wouldn't be here talking with with mm-hmm. you guys. Um, be in
1: your mid century modern
2: <sighs> home. Oh, sorry. Just take a moment of silence for my home. <laughs> yeah. I do miss it. It's hard, you know? Um, there's a lot of beautiful experiences that come when we don't settle, but I think I'd be remiss to say, that there's not some sadness um, with what you leave behind or some nights of anxiety where you have those wrestling moments of, should I go back to that? Mm -hmm. Well, there was security back there. Right. You know, at least I knew what each day would bring, you know, I think, I think if we're being honest, we
0: all wrestle with that from time to time. Yeah. But there's such beauty in getting outside of that. I mean, I would go back to, to our experience at Duke last year, at the Conference for Reconciliation, the variety that was uh, in the US, that was probably one of the most diverse um, spiritual gatherings that I had ever been at in terms of the the folks that we had the opportunity to be with both internationally and nationally. And that was another moment where I was overwhelmed with the beauty that we experienced Mm -hmm. because of the diversity. There was a worship band that had um, uh, a man that had uh, pretty severe disabilities that was, was inclusive in that. And they, they even invited people to sing alongside of them without practicing, which right. was like, oh my word, this would never hey, happen at yeah, Ephraim Grace. was, was had, like, Ephraim on, on. having a hard time with that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, it, but it was also this beautiful thing about like, there's enough space for everybody yeah, for to sure. be part of this and we can each offer our unique gifts. And you know what? It's not gonna be pretty. It's gonna be a little messy. It's not, You're not gonna hit all the notes. You might not hit any of the notes.
1: We might not call it a gift.
0: We might not call it a gift, but the guy wanted to be there, but it, whatever <laughs> it was, um, there was still this beautiful picture of what that could look like yeah. to be a diverse group, not only in terms of denomination, in terms of race, in terms of background, and to, across the the board that there was a point at that by the end of that week, um, I just had to get away because I was both, um, I was so uh, excited because I had seen something I had not seen before, but I was also overwhelmed with sadness because I had not seen that in the churches that I had been part of. Yeah, holy cow. And not just because of the worship, but because of, of the speakers that we had. Um, we had different nationalities. There were females that were speaking mm-hmm. the word. I mean, there were. it was just this beautiful, it was what we talked about, that mm-hmm. God desi- des- desires a diverse community because it expresses his vast love for us. And it's expansive, not exclusive.
1: Do you think so? At the beginning of this episode, you you were talking about your identity and how um, you know speaking is part of what you do, but you're a child of God, and that is who you are. That is your identity. Do you think that that knowledge or that awareness is essential? Like, do we have to know that in order to truly be experiencing those Pentecost moments? Because I feel like. The reason, one of the reasons, you and that guy on the on the bridge or at the memorial could have that moment, and he said, "and it's different when people look at me as a soldier, as a black man. Like those are two identities they're they're attaching to me. Mm-hmm. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. We can have this moment together where we're praying for our country. Do you feel like it's essential for people to know?" what their identity is before reconciliation can even happen or otherwise you're just like, if he, if he just saw himself as a soldier where you see yourself as a speaker are, can you really listen and hear each other?
0: So I think it's, I think it's unto what, so if we believe revelation, if we believe that the, the ultimate, um, what God desires is this this diverse beautiful picture that John gives us through his vision in the book of Revelation then we are moving toward a common purpose so i think people can can get excited about that and that can drive them to meet God yeah i also think we can meet God and that can drive us to that picture. So I think that's one of the places the church, the church, not us, but the church in general can get fussy at each other. Like, are we a social justice church or are we um, a Bible-based evangelical church? Like, oh we have to be one or the other. And the gospel is both, both and. And, yeah. and so does it matter... If we draw people in because they're fired up about the things that we're fired up about and they wanna help build a house, that's awesome. Come, let's build a house. And in the response, you're gonna find out the reason we're building this house is because we believe that God believes that we all should have the ability to live in a safe environment and be protected, You know, whatever our reasons are. And then they meet Jesus through the process. Or we have people that are all about scripture. Well, scripture ought to drive us to being social justice oriented, right? Hmm. So it's this intersection of life and faith. So instead of us um, debating either or, what does it look to be about both and? And I think that's why I love grace so much because you know what? We could disagree on some of these things, not the main thing, but we could disagree on some of these (laughs) things, but we could be together in this. Hmm. So, and we, I think we agree. We all agree that, and that's who Jesus was. Like he was about these things. So let's be like him and let's be unto his desire to reconcile all things, to make all things new, Mm -hmm. which really is making all things the way he originally intended. So you can start Genesis 1 and 2 and work toward that. You can start in Revelation and work toward that. Mm -hmm. But if we're not working toward that and we don't see that as the picture, then, then what's the point? Yeah. You know, we got to, you know, the guy down at one of the guys at Duke. So we got to read our story backwards unto what are we reconciling? And we're called to be reconcilers. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You I, got uh, some over there? Well, I got a couple of things over here. I, I wanted to go back to Revelation um, because it's a beautiful picture. Um, there are people standing around the throne. Um, they're all clothed in white. Um, a crowd too great to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, uh, they held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Um, and then one of the 24 elders that was also gathered there in this passage um, it's John who's writing this. He says to John, Sir, you are the one who knows. I love that. I don't know who they are. You know who they are. Who, mm. who are they? And then he tells them, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. Like, uh oh. The story's beautiful. Look at this multicultural, gorgeous, ethnic gathering. But you get to this root of persecution. Um, oh, these are the ones that died in the great tribulation. Um, again, when I try to think about the things that bring us together, um, we talked recently in one of the sermons about um, the persecuted church, mm-hmm. um, how God's people come together in adverse circumstances. Um, the things that divide kind of fade away when your life is on the line, um, when you're really truly giving it all you have. Um, that great multitude as described here in Revelation, they are of that kind, you know, where they had their their persecution in common.
0: Yeah, and if you keep reading that, it talks about, I think it talks about him making all things new, no more mm-hmm. tears. I mean, he's- Yes, he'll dry his, the tears from picture. their eyes, yeah. And, you know, even even what you just said related to the tribulation, that one passage, as opposed to us stepping back and saying, okay, what's the, what's the why behind here? Many in the church want to debate what that's gonna look like and when that is and when that's not versus, okay, well, the big idea behind here is Christ is coming back and all those who have surrendered their life to Jesus are gonna stand together and that community is gonna be so diverse and it's gonna be this beautiful picture of what God already attention. And I'm pretty Mm -hmm. confident that none of us are gonna have it completely right, but the beauty is gonna be because we see him. And when we see him, what all we can do is bow and he is setting all things right. So, you know, I think my, my call to the church is let's, let's link arms, right? Like let's, let's advance the ball together because this is our chance, at least in my generation, this is our chance to be the church and to represent Jesus well.
2: Yeah. um, To very, very loosely paraphrase. (laughs) And I could probably get a lot in trouble for paraphrasing, but Mm -hmm. we can always edit it out. Um, Who are these people? Who is this multitude gathered? These are the people who have been through some stuff. I try to think about um, some of the more naturally... Multi-ethnic and diverse places that, that I have seen um, witnessed, where, where is this n- n- naturally occurring? I think of um, recovery meetings. I think of people who have been through some stuff. When you've been through some stuff, you come together, and s- these superficial things, um, skin color or you know background or um, they, they fade away. because what you have in common is that you've all been through some stuff mm. I think if we could recognize our own brokenness like you have shared and the stuff that you've been through um that's a really good place to start mm-hmm. see us all you know to to take us back to the what did you say it was the uh oh, you just said it
0: to what end or to it to what what did you yeah, say to, to the, to what the end is yeah. to that desire to the end in mind. Yeah. Right. Like, what does that look like? To right. Like he saved that? us all
2: from our brokenness. We all been through some stuff. And the only reason any of us are still standing is because of him. Um, that, that should be enough um, to bridge any, any divide. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so let's stop building towers. A Babel.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And, God is with us, right? So we don't have to build a tower. We don't have to, like, that's the, that's the, that's the kingdom that he mm-hmm. came. He came in flesh to be with us. And, you know, it's the whole idea that we have to somehow, it's, a, it's all a gift, right? It's all a gift. And, and we somehow get it in our minds that we're the ones who have to put together the right package in order to get God to love us. Well, he already loves us. -hmm. He already wants to be in relationship with us. And the more we understand that, the more I think we can freely give away our love. We can freely give away the things that God has given us because we know that He's the one that keeps giving them to us. And there's enough of that. So, all of us. That's
1: knowing your identity.
0: That's knowing, yeah. Yeah, that was your question like a long time ago. You're knowing your, yeah, it's knowing your identity. Mm. And it's knowing that you, once you get that, And I don't know that you ever get it. That's a terrible way to say it. As you're getting that Mm. in your life and you're journeying toward that, you're able to give that away. Mm -hmm. And I think I see that, I see that especially in my sisters and brothers in Rwanda. Like they're able to forgive in a way that I've never seen before. Mm. And that only, the, the only way that's connected is because they know that God has forgiven them and then they're able to offer that to others and then they're able to reconcile so there's this element of truth there's this element of understanding that and then giving it away and you can't hold on to both mm-hmm. you can't hold on to, to all of it it
2: goes back to your comment
0: about how, how many times
2: has god saved us from ourselves yeah i don't know yeah and and what for why does he continuously save us from ourselves mm-hmm. you know to further his kingdom
0: right because mm-hmm. that's how much he cares about us as individuals and that's how much he cares about us collectively and that's how much he believes in us like that would have never been my plan I don't know about you but if I got to design the world I probably would have not put it in the hands of all of us
1: (laughs) yeah and once again if he's waiting 30 years to let me know
0: please don't wait I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: have some words okay
0: I don't want to do that much damage. Yeah. Stop me now. Stop me. Stop.
1: Well, that's a good note to end on. Um, Great conversation, guys. Um, Thank you, Corrine, for being here. Thanks Thanks, for jumping in on this uh, this episode. And uh, thank you for listening to Between Sundays.